Nico, how well do you know your neighbors? <laughs> Too well to admit on this podcast, buddy. <laughs> well, that's good, because if this movie we watched this week taught me anything, it's you better know who your neighbors are and what they're up to. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Movie Tales. I'll have what she's having. Hosted by Mark, Jeff, and Nick. Round up the usual suspect. Three lifelong friends who all dropped out of film school because they all figured out they loved watching movies more than making them. Are you not entertained? Gretchen, stop trying to make fetch happen. These cinephiles review and reveal widely unknown factoids, lore, myths, trivia, and cultural impact of the movie. Mostly funny. I'm your huckleberry. Sometimes serious. I'm going to make them an awfully game with you. Definitely interesting insight into the best movies we only thought we knew. He's looking at you, kid. Mark, what are we watching this week? We are going back to 1999 and watching Arlington Road, the paranoia thriller starring Jeff Bridges and Tim Robbins. And for those unfamiliar... With this movie, it stars uh, the two mentioned as well as Joan Cusack, and it's about Jeff Bridges being a widowed uh, father when his FBI agent wife is killed in an operation against suspected terrorists. A college professor becomes increasingly obsessed with the culture and sub-society of these dangerous groups. The arrival of new neighbors gives them a new spirit as they are gregarious and friendly with a 10-year-old boy that his son can be friends with, he is even beginning to see another woman. However, he begins to suspect something is odd about the neighbors. Something about the way they don't want him to see certain parts of the house, or a set of blueprints they have there. Are his neighbors terrorists, or is the stress of losing his wife merely driving him past the point of paranoia? Whew! Thank Boys. you, Mark. Good read. Good read. That and was from Anonymous on IMDb, and I oh, thought thank it was you, fitting. Anonymous. I thought uh, it was fitting that he did not want he or she did not want to provide their name. For I, domestic terrorism. That's very, movie. very fitting. It might, it might be from, uh, from the Tim Robbins organization in the movie. <laughs> so, before we get into a moment of time, I wanted to talk to the audience a little bit about why we chose this movie. We chose it for a very specific reason this week. Uh, it is estimated there are 334 active militia groups in the United States, the vast majority of which are right-wing, with most starting in the early 90s as a response to the Ruby Ridge and Waco sieges. But there has been a 60% increase of militia activity since 2015. We're recording this podcast on January 21st, basically two weeks after pro-Trump protesters stormed the United States Capitol. It is still early in the investigations, but at this point it seems one of the main ringleaders of the event that has been arrested and charged by the FBI were members of the right-wing militias. So it seemed like a great time to podcast a, about a film about a shadowy white right-wing organization that plots domestic terrorist attacks in the United States. In the United States. Getting right into it, Mark, what is your moment in time for this mostly forgotten but excellent 1999 film? 
So this movie came out the summer before our senior year in high school. So we were all busy, but that was an epic year in movies, and we'll get into that at some point. But I also worked at a video store, and it was not Blockbuster at the time. It was the mom-and-pop super-duper video. (laughs) And I remember I had this manager that worked there. Her name was Liz, and she was just obsessed with Jeff Bridges and Tim Robbins. And this was just... This girl, this woman, was she, she was in love with this movie. So I'll never forget her and this infatuation of this movie. But uh, I, I did forget this movie until you put it on the list. So once you brought it up, I immediately thought of that, that memory. But I, I hadn't seen it in 20 years. But uh, I know you have a moment in time that you wanted to get right into. So let's jump right back to you, Jeff. Yeah, I have a great one this week. I will never forget seeing this movie for the first time. And it has little to do with the actual movie itself. A girl who will remain nameless to protect the Uh innocent. Uh Uh-oh. Anyway, a girl I went to middle school with and always had a big crush on, but lost touch with because she went to a different high school. She finds me the summer between our junior and senior years on AOL Instant Messenger. Long story short, after reconnecting online, She knew I liked movies and specifically asked me to take her to Arlington Road the night it premiered because she was super excited to see it, apparently. I thought this was odd and asked her if she was sure she didn't want to go see American Pie or Big Daddy, which were also playing at that (laughs) time. You know, movies I thought might be more conducive to a date. Nope. She insisted on seeing Arlington Road, which I knew little about at the time. The story gets better. So we go to the movie, and this movie sets a particular tone from the beginning with a kid nearly bleeding to death in the street in the very first scene. And the reason I will never forget this movie-going experience is this was my first movie theater date where the girl gets handsy in the theater. (laughs) (laughs) Like, pretty handsy. Uh, All PG-13 by today's standards... But still, to 16-year-old Jeffrey, it was a bit surprising. So Memorable movie for you. Very memorable movie for me. We all have some of those movies. I'm super pumped. I remember the surprise ending, and I'm thinking it was super cool. I take her home, get a little smooch. Uh, When I drop her off, everything seemed to go really well. I'm excited. I call her the next day. She tells me she had a great time, but she's not really looking to date anyone right now. It's just not a good time for her, and she never talks to me again. (laughs) That's what's awful about that is she ruined your movie going experience for such a movie, right? Right. Like, I was distracted that entire movie. I was very confused at the end because I was definitely focusing on everything but Jeff Bridges and right wing malicious. Uh, I spent the rest of my life trying to figure out what went wrong. Did she just use me to see Arlington Road? Was I not aggressive enough? Was she trying to recruit me to her own right-wing militia? And I just didn't pass the test? Who knows? But yeah, I'm never going to forget seeing this one in the theater. So that was that the only time you saw this movie? Yes. I remember little to nothing about it. Yeah, I was going to say, you probably didn't even remember this movie. No, it was like seeing it for the first time when I was like watching it with my wife this week. For sure. And like... 
That's great. What about you, Nico? When did you see this movie? I saw this with my dad. I was working at the movie theater, just like you were working at Super Duper Video. This is my <laughs> job. This is my job from oh, high school. It, this movie was terrifying, and it got me so well. It is one of those viewings that I will never forget either. I didn't know much about Ryan Movie Militia. I Back at the time, there wasn't a lot of movies that were willing to go this far. They had the guts to go this far. So when it did, it just hit me like a sledgehammer in the chest. I never forget seeing it. Even my dad was disturbed by it. You know, usually walking out to the car after the movies, me and my dad have this talk, you know, and I'll appreciate or disrespect it. He was so disgusted. He just didn't have much to say, you know? Like, I think <laughs> even he was processing it, and I was processing it. And the second this came up on our list, I was like, oh, I'll never forget seeing that ending. Let's choose that one. It's still Speaking of that ending, Ima- imagine having to well, real quick. Imagine having to process all that with everything else I had going on. Right, right. <laughs> oh yeah, that's why you forgot the movie. You only remember tra- this girl. Yeah, traumatic experience for me. You, you only remember that girl. I hear you. We all have those movies, Jeff. So that's I get it. I get it. Anyway, like you were saying, getting into so, getting into so, that ending, Mark. Go so ahead. for those of you that haven't seen this movie, if you're still listening to this and you have not seen this movie. This is really one of those movies that even if you are one of the people that say you don't care about spoilers, this is really a spoiler. I don't want you to have spoiled. So I'm going to give you five seconds to turn this podcast off right now. Stay here if, you, uh, if you've seen this movie, obviously, but we're going to jump right into this ending of the movie. Four, three, two, one. Come back when you see the movie. All right, everybody else that's with us, thank you so much. But yeah, let's jump right in. Obviously, what works with all of us, the the ending's amazing. It's 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 the big it's a big surprise of the movie, and it's what makes this movie memorable. And and I didn't even remember it because of 1999, which you talked about earlier, Jeff. It, it's just such a year of movies. That was the year of it Fight Club and Matrix. It finished sixth in the box office. It's opening weekend, and. The other movies were American Pie opened that weekend. It was the second weekend of Big, second or third weekend of Big Daddy. It was like the second month of Phantom Menace. Yeah, Phantom and Menace was that year. <laughs> it was still in the, it was still in the top five, or and there was like a couple others. But a lot of times we like we'll do these pods and we'll be like, oh man, how did it not beat those movies? This had respectable movies it went up against. What oh, what a for year sure. for movies. Oh, it was, if you just look down the list, it's countless, and obviously we don't want to bore everyone with the list, but you guys can go look at it yourselves, because it's it's a real fun fun year to go back and, and revisit. But the the surprise element of the ending is that it's there's multiple layers to this surprise, right? Mm-hmm. That, that make this so special. Mm-hmm. And... And, and even on the rewatch, I didn't remember until right when he 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 gets out of his car and he's in the FBI garage, in the, in the rental car that he, get, he gets. And just so many things, so many little things that all add up to make Tim Robbins' masterful plan work. It, Jeff Bridges rented the car himself. Jeff Bridges rented the car himself. It's one of the most mind-blowing parts of the thing mm-hmm. of Tim Robbins' masterful plan. The, the you know that he just sets this up, and it, I think it's one of the first movies I can remember where the bad guy gets away with it. It's just so crazy, and it's it's just unbelievable. It's such a phenomenal ending. Nick, tell me what you think of that ending. I know you, you love did it. Did you guys see it coming at all? There was no clues. There was no reason to believe that they that this was going to go down the way it did. That they were going to get away with this. 
when you... I can't remember because I saw it 20 years ago and I can't remember. I, I knew what I remembered was as soon as they opened the van and there was, his kid wasn't in the van, I remembered because I paused it and I looked at my wife because she had seen this movie, surprisingly enough, and she only sees very few movies, but she had yeah. seen this one. And I said, oh, my God, the bombs in the trunk <laughs> of his car. Oh, no. <laughs> I go now. I remember, and I and I totally remembered right then. I just, just like an instant flashback, and then I was kicking myself all night this week because I rewatched it twice this week, and I was kicking myself because I, I, I was just mind blown that I couldn't. I didn't remember it, and it's crazy. It's one of the most surprise endings that I can think of when when we talk about movies the way we do. And for some reason, the only thing I can think of is because. You know, Office Space, Fight Club, and The Matrix came out that year, and I watched those movies a ton of times, and I, I just forgot about this movie. Right? It's a, it's a damn shame because that ending is so special. Right. But so I have a theory. I have a theory about why some movies are remembered and not. I'm just going to be brief on it. I've talked to you guys about this before. I really think movies that get in that like Turner collection, that TNT, that end up being played over and over again. So many of those movies people end up considering classics. And then movies like this, for, for whatever reason, don't get those like TV re- replays, like kind of get forgotten by time. That's my theory. Uh, I, as far as- I, I, I can dig it. Uh, so I think for me, it's not the bomb going off as a shocking part. It was when we realized through watching TV, through news coverage, that they were actually blaming Jeff Bridges' character for the, for for the bombing. That was the big like whoa. That was the double layer. Yeah, that yeah. was the extra layer of it all. That's for sure. That was the biggest layer. And that they plotted the it layer. from the, and yeah, they plotted it from the beginning because they have that girl from the class, and they that does that interview and like you realize right. that she's one of the terrorists. Right. I, yeah. That's beautifully. I mean, we we knew the bomb could potentially go off. He may be early. He you know we've seen that in movies before, but. The fact that it, that it came out perfectly on his lap, on his blame, was the really eerie part about all of it. Because what? it just let you believe that this had been planned from day one, and then everything you just watched was essentially a setup. <laughs> and nobody saw that coming, right? We, we thought it was good guys versus bad guys. Usually the good guy's going to win. And then we realized everything we were watching was not what we were watching, and that is what's terrifying. Is the only reason we like this movie. Yeah. Because of this. Yeah. But that's, that's the reason no, to me. Uh, no, yeah. no, for me, no, it's not. It, so if, if he like stops him at the end or somehow, or he's not the one to do it, you still would have enjoyed, you still enjoyed kind of the psychological uh, thriller aspect all the way through. If he stops the bomb from happening, and let's say Jeff Bridges saves the day, right? Right. Is it? It's a way worse of a movie, obviously. But agree. I don't think I. I don't think I hate it. I, I, you but know, that's because what movies were doing at the time. And we'll exactly for sure. Too. We'll talk about that later too. Yeah. which I think they, is they, what. Yeah, I think especially then. I think that's why this movie resonated so much because it was like, oh, they went a different way. I wrote down three things that worked. I wrote down the ending, the acting, and the premise. Yeah. I thought all three were very solid. Nick, anything else besides the ending work for you? The screenplay. I mean. I'll get into that later too about where this where this idea came up from. It's just the perfect plot. The, I mean, how often can you say that it's a perfect plot? <laughs> it's it's a special story. It's it's, it's a really clever story, and it, I, I totally agree. It's 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 so great that just the slow burn is really good the first time you see it, and 
the slow burn, obviously, it doesn't pay off on a rewatch because you you know what's coming. You know Tim Robbins is bad. But the first time you see it, it takes an hour to see, okay, he really is. Okay, because you don't know. Because Jeff Bridges could just be this this you know, paranoid freak. So you're still on the fence for a good hour of the movie. But when you're on the rewatch, obviously you know what's happened, so you're kind of looking at different things. But I, I still think it held up for me. Yeah, the, it has to. I don't think without the ending, it doesn't. I think it's a very average movie. But I think, I think it's so done. Too. I think it's done so well leading up to it that the ending's the ultimate payoff. Right. Oh, uh, for moving, sure. The ending's what makes this movie special. Moving right along. And Joan Cusack. We can't say we can't go. We can't move on without mentioning Joan Cusack's <laughs> name fantastic. because she definitely is what. She's right. definitely what worked. Greatest Stepford wife ever. She <laughs> is so. And those damn kids that who knows they must have stolen from how many other terrorist attacks. <laughs> right. But <Yes>. <laughs> like. I'm, I'm seeing that scene come. when those little girls answer the door and they, they're like telling him that he's a stranger he can't come in and I'm thinking that fucking little girl answers the door I'm not going in that house <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with so those kids those kids were creepy <laughs> all of them even the kid yes they are, they are creepy yes oh the, even even the boy the, 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 yeah we'll get into in my midnight ponderings I'm going to get into a little um, <laughs> about like just what the fuck's going on with uh, Bradley <laughs> yeah, I got a, I got a lot of theories about that too. Oh, um, so besides the ending, let's do favorite scenes. Mark, what do you got? Well, I love that backyard scene. It, the the I think it starts out the showdown. Jeff Bridges, you know, falls asleep in the backyard after he gets the yearbook and he's made the full on connection that Tim Robbins, whose name is Oliver Lang, is this other this other person is not really this Oliver Lang and. So he's snuck up on by Tim Robbins from behind, and he's just called out right away, and it's just great. And it's just it, the, this kind of back and forth. And I was watching an interview with the writer, and he's he, the, the most of that scene was improv. And in rewatching it, I can really see how that was probably a lot of fun for these two actors because they're so good at their craft. And, and I can imagine. That, that they had a blast shooting that scene because it definitely stood out to me. I hope it stood out for you guys, but I love that scene. Interesting and, and note on the improv. Um, Tim Robbins really got into his character uh, because prior to this movie, he had just written a play called The Carnage. And it was actually a play all about right-wing militias. This was all around Oklahoma City bombing and everything. Yeah. So there's a lot of right-wing militia like talk going on at this time in the 90s. And he like yeah. heavily researched it. So he said it was natural for him to take this part because he just understood the character based on all of his research. And I just thought that was kind of a cool note. No, so I think he really... I, I think it really kicks off a series of scenes where Tim Robbins just kicks Jeff Bridges in the nuts. And, and what I mean by that is he 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 just kind of really makes Jeff Bridges think twice. Like, oh, maybe I'm not... Maybe maybe I'm wrong. In this scene, mm -hmm. Tim Robbins just dominates him with this story, and and Jeff Bridges is just kind of hit like a like he's hit in the head with a hammer at the end. And Tim Robbins just walks away, and, and I it just works so well, and it, it sets off a series of scenes where we get to uh, Nick. I think you said you like the payphone scene, right? So I like the payphone scene a lot. I think that it was really creepy. It was scary. I mean, this movie had its moments of being scary. That was one of them. The scene I like the most, 
And, and credit to Joan Cusack, like you said. She might get a medal, she might not. But the key scene for me is when his first uh, class where he's the professor. And we see, apparently he's a professor in history, but I don't know why he's teaching terrorism so much as part of his course. <laughs> but he's basically yelling at his kids and he's basically pointing out the obvious truth that these things are never a one-man job. They're always planned. There's always mm-hmm. some external layers that nobody talks about, but America needs to feel safe, so they pin it on one man, which is obviously the perfect setup for what we're about to see. And the fact that it's all part of the setup, looking back, you're like, God damn, that was clever. It was oh, so clever. Oh, I know. Clever. That's what I mean. It yeah. sets off. A, you just see a series of scenes that just set off that Tim Robbins just continually wins. You get that backyard party scene where, where once Jeff Bridges finds out his, uh, Oliver's got his, his son, he goes over and there, there's a party at the house. And he's you're just like, what? What is he going to do? He can't... <laughs> And, and then the scene that unfolds inside the house, it's just so good. And, and Robbins just hits it at home run every time. But, uh, Jeff, any other scenes you wanted to mention? Uh, they, I'll just briefly mention, I thought the imagery and the flashback, uh, and I know you weren't a fan of that scene, and thinking back on it, I can see some of the dynamics that um, it, about execution maybe not being that great of it. But the flashback scene to the wife and the uh, cabin shooting, I thought the imagery... Of the kit of the little kids with the guns was pretty super mm-hmm. powerful imagery, and just it made me think a lot just about a lot of things. Um, and I thought that was well done and had some powerful imagery there. But mostly and that's probably the, that's probably a tribute to the director. What's his name? Uh, Mark Pellington, right? Because he did he's done a bunch of music stuff, right, Jeff? A bunch of music videos. Yeah, he has, and it's interesting. And when we talk about what doesn't work. A lot of music video tropes that he uses in this movie are probably what I'm going to list, but that might be one that I kind of liked. I I hate all the different colors, like when his mood and it's that I really dislike that scene in the party at the end um, when he yeah. like stumbles in there. I have some problems, but we'll get into that when that when with, with what doesn't work. Uh, moving right along, uh, favorite favorite quotes. Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. I just have one. Um, want me to do it? You guys want to go first? No, go ahead. You only got one. I don't want to spoil it in case one of us has it. All right. I just had at the very ending scene when Oliver looks at uh, Cheryl and says, where do we go from here? And Cheryl <laughs> says, someplace nice. Oliver, I hope so. Cheryl, someplace safe. Oliver, definitely. <laughs> it, it's, just, a gr- it's a great moment and it's just, it creepy. sells. Fuck, it's awesome. It, uh, uh, <laughs> Super creepy, super creepy. That's all I got. What do you guys got? Uh, Nico, you got any quotes? Yeah, I do. I got a few. I actually don't, I couldn't find after all this research, but my favorite part of quote is when he's pretending to be locked out and his, his wife, Hope Davis, walks up and she says, what are you doing? He says, pretending to be locked out, pretending to be waiting for a, a locksmith. He's like, I'll tell you. And she says, can we pretend to have dinner first? <laughs> but it is, a, it is a good moment. I think my favorite quote, because of how important the scene was, was um, everybody's authorized to be here except for you. And that was by FBI oh. agent Whit Carver. Whit? Yeah. <laughs> I thought, that, I mean, that was, and that was like, they, they actually repeated the line. It was so important, right? And that's when he realizes that the bomb's in his car. It's powerful yeah, stuff. That's a, that's a good. That's a good. Good mention. Good. Yeah. Good note there. I have three. Three little quotes from Oliver Lang, and just reinforce just how much. Yeah, he, I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're doing Oliver Lang quotes. How, how much? How much he owned Jeff Bridges in this movie. He he, he owned him, and 
I, I got the brick got in the way. I'm sorry about that, but we're on a schedule quote, <laughs> which schedule. is just it's just ruthless. He he just told he just admitted that yeah, I killed your girlfriend, and I've got a schedule to keep. I, I got stuff I got to do, and yeah. she's <laughs> and just casually and just no without thinking twice has no wherewithal with, with, with no just you know doesn't even care no empathy no empathy. yeah thank you no that's the word i was looking for appreciate you Broke and then it, another lane quote was when he, he says michael be, because of you my son is alive i would like very much to return the favor and, and he does return the favor which is the irony of that quote his son does is the only survivor in this situation and then I also have the other quote where he says, when he calls Michael out, and he says, you're doing it again, Michael. I told you, if you want to know something about me, just ask. And he just has these casual lines that he drops all throughout the movie. And, and, and I just had notes of just scene after scene where he just wins. And, and, and it's just because I really feel like this is a toe-to-toe match between Bridges and, and Robbins. And... and I think Robbins. I think Robbins was two steps ahead of Bridges the whole way. Yeah, I'd say he's he had a whole army behind him. I'd say twenty steps ahead. <laughs> he did have he did have but, more resources. It, 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 yeah, a ton of resources. So that brings up. I'll talk about it in my midnight pondering. I have a midnight pondering. I don't want to spoil it now. What didn't work for you guys? I think Jeff Bridges' character, Michael Faraday, was a little too intense. He had no up happy moments or regular moments. It was always so... In- like, he's yelling at his students, for God's sake, you know? And you're like, what are you doing? Well, you would be... When your wife... When you lose your wife to... Uh- an F two, an FBI uh, to t- to an FBI shooting. Maybe you shouldn't teach about terrorism. <laughs> it might get I mean, you his, fired his up. His class every day. was history, but I mean, he wasn't a normal character, and I think that obviously that's part of the formula. He just didn't work for me in that sense of he was way too paranoid. He was who would even want to be around that guy? Maybe that's in your midnight pondering. Like he's got this hot grad school girlfriend who's way younger than him and i'm just wondering like who wants to hang out with this guy including wit like he's just not in the right place right now and that affected the movie so have you guys seen the movie blown away you remember that movie yeah Yeah. tommy lee jones do you do you do you think jeff bridges kind of mailed in this performance and just channeled that same character (laughs) he played in blown away it feels like the same exact character it really feels like he just he totally stole that same role like i wish i would have seen that movie more recently because i probably would have had some midnight ponderings about that because i was (laughs) while watching this movie i've seen i've actually seen blown away more times than i've seen arlington road and i just kept thinking yeah me too he's i think he's playing the same guy like, kind of right. I would have thought it was a sequel if he didn't die in the end of this. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Um, but in Blown Away, I think he does save the day. <laughs> Blown Away is an awesome movie, though. Yeah, I, it is, it is I just remember movie. Tommy Lee Jones dancing to U2. That's the only thing I remember about that movie. <laughs> he does dance to U2. That's good. That's that's funny. I, 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 what main thing that didn't work for me, like I said earlier, is that damn party at the end. Yeah. Once he knows the sun's taken, that weird lighting. He's doing a lot of those weird. Throughout the movie, there was some strange um, music. There was some strange music video tropes. I didn't know that at the time until I was talking to you, Mark. You said he's a music video director, and it kind of made sense to me. But I thought a lot of that. Some of the weird edit edits just it felt very '90s. 
and it felt very dated. Um, uh, I agree with that. Uh, I got a couple notes that didn't work. Sorry. Let me jump back in. The music, it was a bit much at times. Okay. I thought, I thought like yeah. the music was way overpowering. Good note. Agreed. And just a little, like a little, a little force. Well, and it doesn't fit Almost the movie. Almost cheesy at points. Like I, I, it was, it didn't fit the movie very well either. Like I, I music and, video and then, directors. And then my only other note was the buildup. The buildup is a little long, but only on the rewatch. I don't think it was long on the initial watch. Okay. Right corner. Jeff Bridges, Mark. Jeff, you're a big Jeff Bridges fan. But I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you take this Jeff is Bridges a good, on This here. is a good run, boys. It's a good run. Well, so when I think of these two actors that star in this movie, this is one of my favorite Tim Robbins performances, but probably not one of my favorite Jeff Bridges performances. And I think it's because, like we just talked about, that whole blown away thing, I feel like he just mailed it in. Jeff Bridges will forever be known as the dude, and Big Lebowski is the greatest role ever for Jeff Bridges, and he, he'll forever be connected to that role. But I wouldn't even put this movie in a top five Jeff Bridges performance. What about you guys? Hell or High Water is a really good movie that stands out. Crazy Heart. He's had a really good late end I to I love his him career. in both of those movies. He, he, well, I think you got to look at the time. I mean, he did... I mean, the, this is the way I see it. Within three years, he did The Big Lebowski, Arlington Road, and The Contender, which is great. Within two years. I think the that, Contender's an underrated movie. It's a great movie. That's a movie that doesn't suck, everybody. <laughs> Good plug. I, th- I think that, that that filmography in a two-year period is pretty impressive. I think this is the best of Jeff Bridges. I mean, The Big Lebowski, you just said it, right? To do these two movies as follow-up. It looks like there was The Muse in between there and another unheard of called he's, Simpatico. But he's on fire. I mean, this, is, this is prime Jeff Bridges. I, I like I, that. Uh, Speaking of... Good run. I'm okay with it. But, I mean, he was good before that. Fearless was good. White Squall is good. Yeah, but he kind of disappeared for a decade before Crazy Heart. Remember? That was like an award winner at the end. Oh, of yeah. He definitely disappeared for a while, yeah, for, for like sure. Yeah, a decade. So, I think... And, but then when he came back, he was a little bit old. No offense. But I think this late 90s, 2000 run was prime Jeff Bridges. I mean, he even looked... He looked good in this movie, if you think about it. like I mentioned to you guys over text, he's 10 years older than Tim Robbins, and Tim Robbins looked older than him in this movie. On the other end of the uh, fence. Jeff, what about Tim Robbins? Yeah. I, from 1988 until this movie, man, he has a decent 11-year run. There's some weird ones in there, but basically does Bull Durham, Jacob's Ladder, uh, The Player, Shawshank Redemption, Dead Man Walking, Nothing to Lose, and then this movie. And I skipped. There's a few others in there I skipped that I haven't seen, but they're probably great too. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you mentioned Nothing to Lose once again. Another movie, excellent film that does not suck. Excellent <laughs> film. Martin Lawrence. What a yeah with Martin yeah. Lawrence. The movie's yeah. awesome. What a great. What a great eleven year there. period. Like yeah, just metal podium. This one could be fun. Um, starting with Nick, who you got? Yes. So. This director, Mark Pellington, only had one movie before this. I don't know why they chose him. I don't know how Hollywood works. I don't know how you get in and make one movie and they're like, hey, we've got a new experiment for you to try. So I I didn't see his first movie, but I thought this was so well done. And this is probably what his career is going to be remembered for. 
So I wanted to give him a medal of some kind for that reason. You know, it's a hard thing to do to step up to make this movie too. And we'll get into that in my category later on too about how significant I find this movie. And for the silver, I'm going to give it to Joan Cusack. I really thought, I know you guys have been toting on Tim Robbins and Jeff Bridges, but I really think she was kind of a hidden gem. Mark, you mentioned it early on. Thank you for saying that. Oh, Joan is great. Joan's on my medals, everybody. Don't yeah. worry. We'll get to Joan. And I if it her. wasn't for that payphone scene, I don't even know she'd be on this. It was so real when she just confronts her at the payphone. And it was the look on her face. Her dialogue was basically just like, yeah. And it was creepy. It was creepy as hell. It really was. And we find out like three minutes later that they killed her. And you're in your mind, you're like, how did they kill her? Did she wrestle her to the ground and force her in the car? Or how did they do this? It's Joan Cusack. She's... You know, and oh, it's that back scene. and forth in your mind. Yeah, that scene where she's like, "Oh, she when she's like, what are you doing?" And she says, "Shopping." And she's like, "What are you yeah. doing?" Shopping. Shopping. Oh yeah, my god! It was like, a, it was like it, a, it was I like got a chills. Contest. Yeah, she, I thought she was scarier than her damn husband in the movie. To be honest yeah. with you, <laughs> less, that's what, less is more. Less is more. Welcome to the party, scene. Jeff. Welcome to the party. Yeah, definitely. Less is more on that. And it was just like a staring, weird, creepy contest, and it wasn't like. It was only them two. It was a it was toe to toe with Joe Cusack and Hope Davis. I don't know how they killed her, but it was so creepy. And the fact that le- you said less is more, they didn't show it to us how she died. No, nope. uh, it's a midnight pondering. What did Joan do to Hope? Yeah, is, I mean, powerful stuff. What? Uh, but uh, the, I'll get into the gold real quick. I'm gonna give it to the writer of this movie, uh, Aaron Kruger. I'll get into it in my category. He wrote this movie when he was 23 years old. Did you guys have that in your notes? It's a great story. You're going to get yeah. into like how he got it made and everything? No, yeah, get into that later. But Perfect. I'm just I'm glad you... No, I'll let you get what, into it when you do. What he was going through when he wrote this, I'll get into it. But I, I think it's a powerful story. It started with him. I think another director could have made it as good or better, but I think the writing is really where this started and the shocking part. He had this surprise in mind, and he built around that when he wrote this movie. So, gold. I love it. Uh, Jeff, what about you? What are your medals? All right. My bronze, uh, Aaron Kruger. So, uh, just, uh, and I'll let Nick get into this cool story about how it was made later. But it's just gives, uh, was his first movie, and it can give any aspiring screenwriter hope. Uh, it's actually a pretty cool story. And we went on and on about how this movie doesn't work for us without the ending. And how much how our favorite part of the movie is the ending and all of this stuff. Well, that's all because of Aaron Kruger and the script that he wrote. And even, even a lot of the character stuff that you loved about Tim Robbins, Mark, that comes from his writing of those characters and all that, those double layers that we're talking about, that all comes from the script. So I think he has to get a medal here. Yeah. Uh, the sil- uh, My honorable goes to Joan. I couldn't get her on the medal stand. I wanted to so freaking badly. <laughs> I'm glad you guys did. Uh, I'm glad you guys did. Silver goes to Jeff Bridges. I think he's good in this movie. Uh, not, I mean, even if he's playing the blown away character, uh, you're. Like, I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's bad. He's the lens you're seeing this movie through. I think you kind of see on his face that this guy's a little unhinged. I think a lot of your complaints about the character Nick are actually intentional, because I think that's why they I chose this guy. Yeah, I Act- that, thinking actually. about the. Thinking about those terrorists that were actually in his class, who knows? They might have been betting him at that point. And he does his presentation where he just starts yelling at the students. I, I imagine the next scene that we don't see is she gets on the phone and calls Tim Robbins and says, "Hey, we got our guy. This guy, this 
<laughs> this guy's the perfect foil. Uh, like, <laughs> I, I, I mean, they couldn't have picked a... You want an unhinged guy so that when people ask, they're like, yeah... That, I could see that guy blowing up a building. He wasn't the friendliest <laughs> dude there is. <laughs> so I buy it. Gold goes to Tim Robbins. He, he he just play. It's so cool. He can play like Andy Dufresne, All-American, just saint and just super creepy. Like I always think of him in this movie and I think of him in War of the Worlds. Just creepy basement Tim Robbins. <laughs> and creepy basement. The, the guy's terrifying. Uh, but always manages to build some kind of empathy for his crazy character. So, yeah, that's my medals. Mark, what you got? My honorable mention goes to Hope Davis because she was given the weakest part, but it was a necessary part. She had to be that person to sit there and tell Jeff Bridges that he was crazy. And anyone could have played that part. So I felt bad for Hope. So I gave her an honorable mention. <laughs> and I gave my bronze to Joan Cusack. She's so good. Mrs. Lang. <laughs> I, I, I love her to death. She steals every scene she's in. Just the, the way she's just... She's all put together. Looks like a Stepford wife. And killed this poor little young woman in her 20s and drove her off the edge of a highway somehow we, we don't know it's a big mystery but my silver medal goes to jeff bridges i know i knocked jeff bridges earlier for this kind of kind of mailing in the part but he's it still takes two to tango in this this cat and mouse game between jeff bridges and tim robbins so i i i had to give him the the medal but my gold has to go to Tim Robbins because he owns the movie. He wins every scene he's in. He he sets Jeff Bridges up time and time again. He puts him in his place time and time again. I think it's an iconic role for Tim Robbins. I just I don't think of Jeff Bridges that way, but this is I think of Tim Robbins in three movies. This, Bull Durham, and Shawshank Redemption. Interesting. That's a good note. So I, I it's easy for me to give him the gold medal. Yeah. But I love that you gave medals to the writer. Yeah. Both of you. Uh, Jeff, did you get the writer on there? Yeah. The, I gave him the bronze. Yeah. Nick gave him the gold. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, and I love that you guys both gave it to the writer because I want you to jump right into that story. Do you know the name of the award it won? What's it called? I didn't do have either it. Of you, do either of you know? The, yeah. Note, it's the, uh, the the Nicole Fellowship Screenwriting Competition. The Nickel. The Nickel Fellowship. The Nickel the Fellowship Award. which Academy of Motion Pictures um, and Sciences. Arts and Sciences. Yeah. And it's an award given to any first-time script, right? They, it, any, any, anybody that's eligible that has not had a screenplay produced. Correct. Okay. So this is this first produced script. Jump, jump in, Nick. What do you got? You got a story? Uh, just that he wrote this at 23, and this is his way of making sense. This was He wrote this in 1996, which was a year after the Oklahoma City bombing, and this was his way of making sense of it. So you got this young kid disillusioned in the world trying to figure it out and, he, and this is his answer and I think that that's a lot more than what a lot of the rest of young America was doing to cope with such an incident at the time. I thought that was really special. And cool that he I just think it's cool that there's an award out there that the Academy lets screenwriters. Now it's actually rare. Winners of this it's one of only a few movies that have won this award that actually have it have had it produced. Uh, like they 
they award it to him, it doesn't mean it's going to get produced, but they basically then shop it around Hollywood for him. So just because just wow. even though he won it doesn't mean it gets produced. Um, but so he actually managed to get the whole thing done. This was like pre-Project Greenlight on HBO, right? Yeah. It, yeah. This was like one of your few ways in if you didn't know somebody in Hollywood. Wow. So, so I think that's so cool. This, this guy, this guy's had an amazing career. He, he, he's been the entire Transformers Foundation, which is... I don't even know how many Transformer movies are, but he was behind all of those. Wow, and he's then, getting paid for those too. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. And then here's the thing, Jeff. Did you see his? He's Top Gun. He's doing the Top Gun sequel. So wow. Yeah. So he just wrote the Top Gun sequel. So he's still chalking away. All because he had that like now. had that moment, wanted to write that screenplay, and then he had the balls to submit it for the uh, that award to you, some young screenwriters out there. Submit your stuff. The only way the only way you'll ever get a movie made is if you write it and you show it to somebody. Absolutely. All right. We got uh, Jeff. You got Midnight Ponderings this week. I know I've got some. I, I, I think did. Has, yeah. Nick already mentioned his. So let's jump right into yours. My big Jeff. one what is. Got? What really happened to Bradley at the start of this movie? <laughs> <laughs> I wondered that myself. Was the night that after was the kid blowing his hand off like part of the long con? <laughs> I, I, so that's my third midnight pondering. Did Tim Robbins and Joan Cusack blow up their own kid's hand? So, Is it so even their own kid? I think the obvious answer is they did. They had to, have, right? Is the it, kid was a martyr. Is it even their own kid? How do we know it wasn't whoever the sucker for their last terrorist attack was? His kid. Well, we know that guy didn't have any kids. Ah, that's right. Because of the scene with the dad, which was a cool scene, too. I'm glad that we got was to find a way to cool throw scene. that in. It's a good little moment with Jeff Bridges. But uh, what else you got, Jeff? Uh, only other thing I have I have here is, uh, does Oliver ever get caught? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, you know, he goes on to find a new mark. Yeah. And Continuously? I didn't mean for this one. Does he ever get caught in his career as a terrorist? Or no, no, I don't think does so. Does he retire under organization? It, I think the organization is well organized and really big and has a lot of resources. So my guess is no, and that's the point. That's what they want us to believe. Mm-hmm. That was one of the. That was one of the themes of this movie. Is I was watching an interview with the director, and he was kind. He was kind of adamant and in, in saying, one of the reasons he made this movie is to show people that the potential of this was a real thing. And lo and behold, look what happened. Nine eleven. Yeah. This, this came. This right. came two years before nine eleven. Yeah. So and was written well before nine eleven. Mm-hmm. But um, one of my ponderings was: Is Oliver Lang one of the greatest unknown villains in film history? And the reason I say unknown is because this movie basically made its budget back. It made like four or five million over budget, and which. To some standards nowadays, that would be considered a flop. But back then, that was that was fine. That was all the studio wanted. But the I, I think so many people didn't see this movie. And when I rewatched it, I was sitting here thinking, Tim Robbins belongs on a top ten villain list. I think he gets away with with blowing up the FBI building right. and frames this other guy. Gets away with it scot free. I think he belongs in some villain list in some form or fashion. What about you? Some kind of movie lore. It does. Any more ponderings? Nick, you have any ponderings? 
I had the one is how is Hope Davis dating this professor that's twenty years older and delusional and paranoid and why does she stick around for this? You know. That's, I feel like maybe they had an affair and it went unmentioned because it was not something that TAs always TAs always love their professors. Some, there's some there's some backstory that we just were not made. I mean, she put up with a lot of shit, obviously, right? I mean, the guy's crying about his ex-wife at a dinner party. How humiliating is that? You know, not just lack empathy or anything, but okay. So here's my other pondering that I thought about, and it was truly a midnight pondering. Does. <laughs> Could they have made a sequel to this movie where Tim Robbins has a whole new mark? I think yes. But I think they also could have made a remake of this movie from Tim Robbins' perspective, whereas this movie is Jeff Jeff Bridges' perspective. I think there's a movie where we see Tim Robbins and his whole team and how they set up Jeff Bridges and how they're... 20 steps ahead the whole step of the way i think there's a movie there that i would like to watch as well and i was curious I like if you guys would like to watch that movie <laughs> uh no you're out on that movie <laughs> jeff you're that. in on that movie. Uh, yeah i think it'd be fascinating it'd be harder I to play it's a good movie you're it'd be out harder to play because you'd have to like you're making tim robbins the hero and it's okay for the villain to be mm. the hero but i think it's clever i like it i'd like to see it i'd like to see it attempted at least I would just like to see it. I think it works. That's all. You didn't think it worked, though, huh, Nick? No. Uh, I think this is perfect for its place and time, and I wouldn't go further in it. Things you may have missed. Uh, Nick, your category, I'll let you go first, and I have a couple if you don't have much. Okay. So, you already talked about Kruger, the writer, so I'll skip that. But they basically marketed... So, this movie had a seven-month delay in its release. So, uh, technically, it wasn't supposed to be released in summer of 99, which is one special summer, as we all remember. But in that time, the director and the writer and the actors, they marketed this movie wrong with as much wrong information as they could to not let the secret out. And I found that fascinating. I, I, so they, they wanted the audience to believe what most audiences believed at the time was that it, the good guy beats the bad guy. And so they went to even great lengths where Tim Robbins was basically lying to reporters. Basically, I thought that was, that was just fascinating to me that this secret was trying to be so well protected of what happens at the end. That and stuff was leaking and they were just doing everything they could and they were going to great lengths to even lie about it. So, um, the producers wanted a backup ending. This was a big risk at the time. And think about it. Like I said, most of the movies don't have the guts to go where this one went. I think that that should be appreciated. But they wanted a backup ending just in case and Jeff Bridges refused to film it. Based, oh, that's great. Yeah. Just building, burning the bridge behind you like Columbus, right? When they arrived in the Americas. He basically burned the ships so nobody had any idea that we're ever going home. We're here to stay. And Jeff Bridges refused to film the backup ending that, that the producers wanted. Because that's the movie he signed on for. Yeah. And he awesome. had that star power at that time, right? And it's a very rare thing that not many actors would have had. And the final thing I have, and I, I think you guys are going to like this the most, Thrillist Magazine, which is a magazine I love, especially on their movie publications, has Arlington Road as the number nine greatest movie plot twist in movie history. Which, no, I mean, think about that. Number nine of wow. all time. It's a good one. But uh, it's ahead of The Sixth Sense. It's ahead of Seven, which I know you love, Mark. It's yep. ahead of Primal Fair. Ooh. It's ahead of Fight Club, which was also... Was that the summer of 99? Oh, yeah, buddy. Oh, yeah. And it's above both of your personal favorites, Frailty. <laughs> yeah, that, I like others much more than Frailty, but Jeff definitely loves Frailty. Uh, I remember saw guys, it together. You guys That's call our, me scared 
on your way that's home. Our, the that's our that's our frailty connection. Yeah. Right. You remember that phone call? Oh, I remember God. that phone call. You guys called me scared on the way home from frailty. That's great. That's awesome. I thought the fact they make this number nine a huge, huge deal. I, yeah, I saw it on a list too. I watched a video on YouTube of the best, greatest surprise endings, and it was it was I think nine or ten as well. Yeah, but but to beat all those movies I just named, all those famous directors, and this one doesn't even get talked about. All those movies get talked about. Yeah, get all, all those movies credit. do get talked get about. I think that's cool. One. I think Seven's better though. I like Seven better. I like Seven. Yeah, better, but I, these, these, all, I think all that get all I, I was absolutely shocked at the ending to Primal Fear. That that okay. one that one ranks high for me. Uh, yeah, that is shocking. One quick note that I, I wanted to talk about on the ending I forgot to mention earlier. Uh, the car crash in the ending car chase was <laughs> unplanned. They actually caused a car crash while filming. Luckily, nobody was hurt, but it they caught it on camera. It played well, so they put it in the movie. <laughs> there wasn't actually supposed to be a car crash on the way to the FBI building. but. And what's funny is the front of the car gets hit because if the back of the car gets hit, I question does the bomb go off right there? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and many lives are saved, right? Yeah, exactly. But uh, so I had a couple things that you guys might have missed as well. So touching back on that seven-month delay, originally the the original production company went bankrupt, and the movie got optioned to somebody who then was going to put it out, but then Columbine happened. So they had to push it back a couple of months further. Interesting. Because of the scene with the the flashback scene mm-hmm. that Jeff mentioned the where kid. the kid gets the rifle and he gets shot. And so they just felt like it was too much of a connection, so they pushed it back an additional couple of months. So I, and I really just think it got lost because it's not it wasn't marketed as a big summer blockbuster and it came out in the summer. Opening next and to then, American Pie and Big Daddy is rough. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what? And then the other note that I thought was interesting in the rewatch was right towards the end, the, one of the newscasters says, the worst terrorist strike in our nation's history. And that just stands out as a really dated comment because this was pre-9-11, and obviously 9-11 was much worse than what happened here. Yeah. And so I thought, I thought that was just an interesting, interesting footnote. But Absolutely. Anything else? Anyone else? No, I think we're ready for final thoughts. Uh, Nick, final thoughts? I wish this movie was more remembered. I wish it got more credit. Kind of like I just said about all those movies. It's, it's a special one, and it's terrifying. And looking back, it was it still gets me today. <laughs> you know, I know I complained about the rewatch today, fellas, but it was still like that memory is deep in the cellular level as far as what I remember about it, and I think it's still relevant today, right? Well, like you said, there's a reason we chose this movie, Jeff. So... Check it out. That's all I got. I mind just. I love it. What about you, Jeff? Excellent movie. I love a good surprise ending, uh, and um, that was really the only part I remembered. <laughs> Go in the rewatch, and it was a great rewatch. Uh, Mark, take us out. Yeah, I, I guess I'll leave it with one final note that I was really embarrassed on the rewatch that I forgot this movie. So. Uh, this movie's great, and it deserves a better spot in movie history because of that surprise ending. It really is as good of a surprise ending, and I'm telling you, Tim Robbins is as good of a vil- as good of a villain that there is has been in the last 20, 30 years of movies. But hopefully, everybody enjoyed our revisit to Arlington Road, and go get to know your neighbors and have a barbecue this weekend. <laughs> 
We will see you soon. Thanks again for listening.